that it's not called helping out when you own the place, just like it's not called babysitting yeah. when they're your kids. None of this is a phobia. The shit we're talking about is not a phobia, it's hatred. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. It's, no one's afraid. And and we can stop treating it like they're fucking afraid. They're not. Welcome back to Wounded Baby Polly's Your Province, Your Problem. I'm your host, Deirdre Mitchell McLean. I'm her co-host, the ever-hot, flashing Kathleen Smith, <laughs> a.k.a. Kiki Planet. Someone brought me pie a couple weeks ago, so I'm still here. It's Lindsay and Matea. <laughs> and I'm Katie O'Byrne. I'm a progressive in a rural setting. So I'll be representing the rural, the rural progressives. <laughs> all eight but of northern, them in Alberta. The yeah, northern. Exactly. <laughs> oh, northern? Then it's all three. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> me and my neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies, we've had this this week of things that kind of started off. You know, there was that innocuous, hi, look at me, I'm the premier doing dishes in my own restaurant. <laughs> um, and, you know, there was a lot of pushback on that. Uh, some OH&S concerns, apparently. Not really what my big take was. Personally, when, when I had seen that tweet, one of the things that came out in my mind was that it's not called helping out when you own the place, just like it's not called babysitting yeah. when they're your kids. <laughs> well okay? said. Yes. Exactly. So that is well my said. introduction to this. And of course, it, it took a bit of a turn afterwards. But first, first reflections on this, here's me helping out for a day. I don't know. Have we ever seen her help out in a soup kitchen? <laughs> have we ever seen the premier of this province help out in a in a homeless shelter? Help out? That was my initial reaction. Like I know initially it, it may have seemed like an attempt to humanize her and to make her an ordinary kind of gal, mm-hmm. an ordinary Alberta gal. But she's not an ordinary Alberta gal. No. She's the premier of the province. And I I don't think that was someplace, uh, I don't think that's the manner in which the Premier wanted to show herself when there's now going to be questions about the fact that she owns the restaurant. And where have we ever seen this woman helping out where it's actually needed? I legitimately don't care about any of this. (laughs) Honest to God, you want to know what anyone gives a fuck about? None of this. No one cares. This is a nothing burger and then some. I mean, yeah, you can point out that she probably wasn't actually doing the dishes because no, you should not be wearing those shoes in, a, in an industrial kitchen. I don't know. Um, I mean, I can tell you that that is in fact the case. You should, she should not have been wearing those shoes. But, <laughs> right. So it does seem staged. Um, and, and, and to that end, I still don't care. Everyone needs to calm the fuck down. I was just going to, before you segue, oh, yeah, I was just going to say... That uh, this this is really uh, pretty much like Kenny getting his picture taken on the uh, on the RV. Like this is this yeah, is peak cares? Kenny RV. But the I only care. the only thing that I the only reason I did really care about it was because uh, like we have family in Edson who were being evacuated. Like they were you know like and there's tons of people across the province that are evacuated due to wildfires. And it's like oh you're doing dishes that's really cool. But people are actually evacuated. Like what are we doing? Other than stoking the arsonist fires, you know? Yeah, I think that's a valid point. I don't think it's a valid point at all. I'm sorry. Honestly, what's she going to do? The premier is not going to go out there and fight fires. Like, physically, she is not fighting those fires. Her presence, Edson, is a distraction, not a help. She doesn't have to be in Edson. Why isn't she at an evacuation center? If she can wash dishes in her own damn restaurant, she can wash dishes at an evacuation center. She can hand out tampons at an evacuation center. Or she could go and be the fucking premier. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm good with that too. I'm good with that too. I don't think washing dishes in her little streetcar diner is being the premier. And I think what it turned into afterwards, like at first when I saw all the fuss about it, People were losing their shit on Twitter. I was where Lindsay is. 
I don't care. Like, I don't care. This is, I think this is really bad optics. I think it made her look foolish. I think whoever decided to do that uh, doesn't have a great grasp on how, how tenuous her leadership is as it is. And perhaps let's not goof her up even more. But what it turned into in the aftermath, that really pissed me off. And all of a sudden she talks about it this week and now we know why. I, I wouldn't have cared, but for the fact that she is actively selling this business. Exactly. And, and so ultimately, and, and by no means do I think it makes it more lucrative to sell that business, nor do, and, and, I, and I've seen some decent commentary around it. It doesn't actually violate the, the Conflicts of Interest Act in Alberta. It would if she had been a member of parliament, but not, right. uh, not, not as an MLA. And so there's nothing illegal about what she did. And to be honest, I think the people who are going to buy this business already knew who they were buying it from. Right. Yeah. So I don't think but- it actually changes the math anywhere. Um, but it is, uh, it's an interesting way to market. And that's well, the thing it definitely is that- got them free media. Yeah. It got so them the- so much free media mm-hmm. on selling that. And that's more... Uh, what pissed me off. I really don't think, I don't think the premier of Alberta should be taking advantage of anything that the average Alberta doesn't, Albertan doesn't have access to. And that's what bothered me. And we have a long history of this with conservative governments and conservative leaders in this province where they just take and they take. And but but when I saw her doing that, when I saw her doing that, what did she have access to that someone else doesn't? Uh, legacy media advertising her business for sale at zero cost at zero cost nobody else has that and let's be clear where did she post this she posted it on facebook and she posted it on twitter on social media and then legacy media is gonna pick it up and you and i and you and i both have access to those things Everyone no, 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 Lindsay. Days. Oh, no, no. I'm going to no. call you on that. There's just, a big no, difference. Just... There is a, do you think that if I posted my house is for sale, the, the goddamn Calgary Herald is going to pick that up and run it? Do you think Post Media is going to run that nationally? You think the Globe and Mail is going to run my little bungalow is for sale? Of course not. It's not about her posting it on Twitter. It's about her posting it on Twitter and knowing that media would grab it and that would push the sale of her business. And that's what bothered me about it. Not that she posted it on Twitter, but that she did so knowing the business is for sale and knowing that there would be enough response to that because people on Twitter are ridiculous, (laughs) but there would be response to it that resulted in a media story about her business. If the average Albertan can't have that access, she shouldn't have it either. And that's... That's all I'm saying. Is so literally, you're it saying was because she's premier, she can't do these things. Period. Okay, uh, so wait, yeah. wait, 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 she's so held to a higher standard, Lindsay. <laughs> okay. She's held to a higher standard, and if she doesn't want to be held to that higher standard, get the hell out of the job. I don't think it's 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 not a, a complicated uh, approach. Like if the average Alberta and Burton doesn't have this advantage the premier should not have it either. And we saw this with Redford. We saw the same bullshit with Alison Redford, where it was entitlement and enjoying the perks of the job. Danielle, I, and Danielle's cheap, like she's a cheap ass libertarian. So I'm not too concerned about her staying in five-star hotels or having romantic weekends in Chicago. Uh, That's not going to be a concern with her. But this kind of shit, this kind of tricky shit, that should concern us. And to do it this soon after the election too, like they just won. They just won. Women simmer down a bit. I think you're imputing a whole lot of foresight into what was probably some staffer just posting a fucking photo. No, because this woman doesn't do anything just casually with just staffer. No, she is. She is very calculated. No, sorry. I've I've interviewed her. She's been around long enough. She is calculating. Sure. Okay. So one. So we need to back up half a step just because there was something that 
and Jeremy Appel is the one who actually posted it. But when he when he posted the link to the National Post, the first National Post article about Danielle Smith helping out in her restaurant, the <laughs> what he what he said, and this is why I have to bring it up, because he's like, by my favorite, by my favorite journalist, quote, National Post staff. No one wanted to put their name yeah. to this, which is kind of another thing that makes it it does, it makes it kind of just feel cringy right yes because again it's something that may be picked up and you know what I write on a slow news day you might pick up absolutely anything this was a Sunday and maybe it was a slow news day but still no one wanted to put their name to that that is that speaks volumes a little more sketch with what happened afterwards which was that the restaurant like the 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 advertisement that they put, I don't know, probably on Kijiji or something classy like that, that the restaurant was for sale came up the next day. So we've got the, so we've got the tweet. Then we have a, then we've got an article in the national newspaper (laughs) about her helping out in her restaurant. And now it's for sale, right? And this is, and this is basically, this is the timeline that all of a sudden, makes all of this look so much sketchier and I had a good I had a good laugh because I still of course listen to the strategists religiously even if I was a little late today but so I was listening to them on like right after the first couple of days and then someone had posted in the discord that this was was for sale so I got this before I listened to them going on about how let the premier have nice things. This was just a, you know, her husband probably took it like, oh, look, you're the premier. And so they're going on about how this is so not a thing right after I already know now that that it is for sale. And that is an example. And again, that's what made it look bad. That's what made it look like promoted promotion of an item for sale that she has that hit the national headlines for some reason, because why would it? And, you know, I did see some commentary on social media. There was one that just kind of made me laugh because it was like, you know, in Alberta, we don't really have this, this social structure that like, you know, Ontario has and stuff. And I'm like, dude, we have social structure and, those who know how to use it use it really well. <laughs> they don't have social structure. What do they? What do they think? Well, we're because, all like yeah, wandering the desert out here. It's what totally normal for the premier to be washing dishes, man. Like this is just yeah. Like we don't we don't do this this class system. <laughs> I think um, you know what? I think it could have been a nothing burger, but it was honestly the sequence of events that they that goofed made up, it something. that made it something. That. And it's like okay, well now you're Not making it something that we events. have to talk about. Yeah. But I think it, um, you know, to, I don't know whose credit, um, I think the outrage has made it a story. That too, of course, because right. because the left can lose their minds just as easily as the right. Yeah, yeah. And they made it this much bigger thing that, again, yeah, makes it seem like a bigger thing. I'm can sorry, I but anyone... Point out? Uh, that they're selling it for for three hundred sixty five thousand dollars, and I feel like they're going to lose a bunch of money on it. <laughs> they're selling okay. it for three hundred sixty five thousand dollars. Yeah, that's it's, a lot. I mean, that's, it is a real car. car. No, you can buy a house for, a for a that. Re- for no, for a restaurant, for a fully outfitted restaurant, that is cheap. Yeah, except that it's really small. It's I mean, small. It's, it's like yeah. what twenty. Yeah, okay. I mean, very, if you have if you have super American. good food, though. I will, I will absolutely not feel bad at all about plugging um, this restaurant that I don't even know if it exists in Canmore anymore, but it was called the Pepper Mill and they could, they only had like 12, 14 tables tops. They had two sittings a night. It was a husband and wife team. She ran the front. He ran the back. They mm-hmm. were only open five nights. They lived above the restaurant and this place, I mean, I... This was back in very, let's go 1999 or 2000. And my girlfriend and I used to go and we would easily drop 150 bucks a piece 
on yeah. dinner in 1999. And just to uh, just to put a cap, just to put a pin in the topic of this damn restaurant and and our premier <laughs> washing dishes in it. Um, I think there's some people in this province who considered themselves serious journalists, serious independent journalists, who should be quite ashamed of the attention that they gave that very first photo of her washing dishes. I, I One of the things I've said on social media so many times that I'm sure people are sick of hearing me say, stop amplifying bullshit. It would stop help. amplifying the <laughs> bullshit and then getting outraged when legacy media grabs it and does a story on it. Well, yeah, amplified it with your bullshit outrage. Now all of a your, sudden people are asking your, questions. and yeah. yeah, and now it's a story. You made it a story. You bullshitted the bullshit. And now we're all in the bullshit. So maybe don't do that anymore. <laughs> all right. We will leave that last word to Kathleen, uh, <laughs> which I may or may not leave in because I don't know if they're litigious or not. Um, no names were mentioned. <laughs> I mentioned no names. I said, you know, some people who believe they are serious independent journalists. I, figured, I feel like about. that's giving it away somehow. Anyways. <laughs> no, I, know, Katie. I legitimately have no idea who the fuck you're talking about. So Good. Okay. There you go. All right. We're as awesome. long as Lindsay doesn't know, we're, we're covered. We're wicked. I'm we're good wicked. <laughs> All right. So the right. next the next thing that that kind of I mean, it's it's sort of been on my radar a little bit here, and I will give full disclosure as to why some of these things get on my radar. So my um, my stepson came out as transgender in, I'm going to say 2019. I feel like it was 2019. Maybe it was 2021. Um, but anyways, so, and they happen to live in New Brunswick. And in New oh, Brunswick, no. yeah. So now also they are college age, uh, just started university last year. This is not something that affects them uh, today. So what's going on in New Brunswick is that the premier, Blaine Higgs, who has obviously had a rocky, he's had a rocky premiership anyways, like his education minister, Dominic Carty resigned. Um, he's had other people you know, there's there's been a lot of rife within that caucus, which actually led me to the question today, is there not another means for which to deal with a leader who, you know, is problematic? Now, I looked to see if their policy documents were online or their governance documents. In Alberta with Jason Kenney, there was a policy that was passed in 2020 at their policy convention that required a leadership review every three years of after they had won the leadership. So this was something that came in after Jason Kenney became leader. And it was basically, um, you know, a trigger that could be pulled. And, and Kenny tried to not have it happen. He did try to delay it. He tried a number of things so that it wouldn't actually happen. But the point is that the party has generally mechanisms where they can deal with a leader who's causing problems. And so Blaine Higgs, right now they are reviewing, it's uh, Bill 713. It's a bill that's going to, or sorry, it's, a, it's legislation that is going to require schools to out children to their parents, again, feels like Alberta, um, but out children to their parents if they are asking to change their pronouns or the name that they are called at school. Yeah. And so Blaine Higgs has basically come out saying this is absolutely happening. Everyone else can just kind of stuff it. Um, he had another minister, a social, his social service minister resigned yesterday. Over it. Thursday, over yeah. The over this, over all of this, um, they yeah. do have approximately, there's six PC member caucus members who are voting with the opposition to get more debate on this and to keep it, to keep the conversation going because they're not happy. So, yeah. and again, so why I went back to looking to see if there's some way to, to come up with some of the leader thing is also because, uh, Dominic Carty, again, former uh, former education minister, 
he tweeted today that Higgs could call an election as early as Monday with something else that's being talked about in the legislature today. And again, that just had a lot of feels of Jason Kenney when he was dealing with the, yeah. with COVID, that, he, that we'd heard that it was possible that he was uh, threatening to go to an election. You don't think that this is what the people want? We will go to an election and we will find out. I, I would be interested, and I think Lindsay might be our, our go-to on this. Lindsay, if this legislation does pass, horror that it is, uh, yeah. and it goes to court, do you think that there's a valid charter challenge here? Could this become a charter challenge on uh, freedom of expression, uh, protection of identity, or, or is it going to be able rights. to stand because parental rights and we're dealing with minors? Like, Because that is the other thing think- is that this legislation is it's only affecting children under the age of 16. So it was also specific in that. The problem you're going to run into ultimately is always the Oaks test. And so, right. um, you know, ultimately our, our charter rights are limited by reasonableness. Um, yes. And so, you know, the question becomes, is the encroachment reasonable? Is it um, minimal to to achieve an ob- a, a reasonable objective, and um, it, are you know are they preventing further harm in in some way as well, right? And so um, you know it's it, it's really a balancing test to see um, if it's important and necessary. So that's really where your argument is going to get really, really murky. Um, And I think that what you would end up with is a very convoluted charter challenge, which would have tons of interveners. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it'd be interesting to see that play out from a legal sense, Um, because I personally would love to know the answer. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and, and, I, I and, just like it to be done once and for all. And like, competing, let's just get on with it. Competing rights are always interesting because, and that is, and that is, that is what our legal system does give us right. is competing rights. And mm-hmm. when well, those overlap. Rights. And more importantly, our charter was written with that in mind, um, with a living tree um, interpre- interpretive um, aspect. And ultimately, um, it's not as absolute as, as say the you know the the constitution US. in the United States, and that was done very purposefully, right, mm-hmm. to stop you know the the um, black letter of the law being the only thing that you read, right. right? And we've seen that over and over again, whether it was with the Bren case, reading in different kinds of um, uh, analogous. Um, uh, Discrimin- non-discrimination um, grounds uh, or things like that. I, I would be really, like, I, I, and by no means do I want this to be on the backs of, of trans kids um, yeah. uh, to have to, to have to be, to go through something like this in order for us to have the answer. Um, but I, like, I am interested to see how the brightest legal minds ostensibly in our profession um would reason this out um because yeah. i because i don't know like i legitimately i don't do charter i don't do charter cases and i would legitimately w- love to see someone argue this through yeah sure. and it needs to happen i think it, it actually needs, needs, needs to, to happen going through this over and over and over again until yeah. until yeah and Katie, you know so i mean stuck the- in you're stuck in northern alberta where this is probably not something that again you know, is talked about in the coffee, in the diner, in the coffee shops, right? Definitely not. It's pretty, it's really, uh, I mean, the trans debate, it's not a debate. It's basically people yelling, uh, you know, transphobic and homophobic things at you if you try to discuss it or if you try to, uh, you know, I mean, we can't even have a a pride sidewalk or a pride crosswalk because it's, you know, 
too hot topic. You're up in, so. you're up in Peace River, My right? My goodness. Yeah, in Peace River, yeah. It, it, I mean, it is rural Alberta, right? And we're northern and we're uh, remote. And, and that's just the way it is. But mm. I was going to say with this uh, specific thing was, um, like, I work in the medical field. So the age of consent for medical stuff. And I think you know, it's different in Alberta, obviously, the age of consent for medical things and other like, I think Alberta is no more lax province for age of consent, and especially in medical decisions. I think you have to be yeah. 14. Yes, it is uh, 14 and here. Be, and things can be confidential, right, from your parents. So I think New Brunswick might be 16, because I think they are a little bit more conservative. A little bit more strict. Yeah. yeah I know. Like, even A lot more even socially here, conservative, if, I've discovered. Here, if I um, go to the, the pharmacy to get my kids prescription filled because they have their own prescriptions for a serious chronic illness and we have to get them refilled regularly. Every time I go to get them refilled, it, the pharmacist says to me, well, we can't talk to you. We got to talk to your kid. And I'm like, yeah. my, my kid's 14. Exactly. Yeah. You gotta I, talk I remember, to I remember a doctor like asking me to sit outside and I looked at, and I looked at, I looked at my daughter. And I was like, yeah. I, and uh, so what she did was she just texted me because we have yeah. that relationship where, where we do have that, but the dog was and like, you're now this age. So we're going to have this conversation without your mom. And yeah. so she was just like, okay, so she and just I'm texted all for me that. and asked me questions. Well, and exactly. I'm fully supportive of that because, you know, 14 year old, uh, girls women should not have to beg their parents for permission to get birth control they should be able to have those conversations with their doctors and if if a 14 year old child is in harm in any way especially if they're in harm in their own home and they can't share that with a parent present that's why it's then it, important then it is important yeah that they have that space where there isn't a parent breathing down their neck so that they can open up about that. Yeah. So, you know, I'm all for it. I just, I think it's rather odd that we're saying, we're saying your kid is old enough to get a prescription for birth control, but not old enough or mature enough to tell their teacher that they want to be called they instead of and she so, or instead of he. The argument you're going to get back, and I'm not saying this is for me personally, is there are plenty of conservatives out there who don't think you should be allowed to give kids birth control at that age. Oh, yeah. Well, frankly, fuck them. I'm aware, but like, to be clear, um, you know, two wrongs don't make a right, but like they're they're going to, they're going to say, actually, I think both neither of these things should be okay, but which is sort of besides the point but i'm just saying you know if you're if we're saying you're old enough to consent for certain things then you then yeah. analogous things should also be consented to at that age or within the power of the child um yeah uh, yeah and if that. i mean if we're and when it comes to um the specifically the transgender conversation and the the drag queen conversation and what we're seeing surrounding that now and i i'm sure the three of you have noticed this too this whole transgender scaremongering thing takes me back to the 80s satanic panic takes me back to uh, fear-mongering over the communists who were going to drop nuclear bombs on us, takes me back to every Muslim is a terrorist. Like, there's this thing now that happens, and it has happened with North America. It's been happening for a very long time. I mean, you can trace it all the way back to uh, 50s and 60s television when all the bad guys on TV were Asians coming out of the Second World War, post-Second World War, right? So all the bad guys were Asians or Germans. And then in the 80s, all the bad guys were Russians and Satanists. This is just the latest scaremongering technique. That's all There's this is. There's a wonderful book about this. It was <laughs> written in 1967. And it's called Orientalism by a gentleman named Edward Said. And I encourage everyone to read it. It's a wonderful book. I take it out and read it probably once a year um, about the power of dichotomies and the power of 
othering people. Yes. Um, the irony of the whole book, in my opinion, is that he basically spent an entire book talking about how you shouldn't other people, and then it spawned an entire field of study about othering people. <laughs> called, called oriental studies um which i just i find ironic as fuck um uh you know it's a it's a it's a wonderful you you have to read it very critically it's the critiques on it are wonderful as well highly recommend um but it it's not even just a north american thing it is it is it is a very much a, a human, human thing phenomenon to other to create an other um and and in fact i've read a a number of books recently about the biology behind that um and how our brains do that in order to create an in-group and an out-group um uh, and it's a biological um i'm not saying it's a good thing i'm just saying it is an actual biological there's a biological reason we do it Mm -hmm. um to try and protect ourselves um part of a, a heuristic yeah and unfortunately, there's people who understand that and will still profit off of it. Yeah. Like there's a lot of profiting going from, there's a lot of political profiting happening from this. I was going to say, you know, your- as the parent of a transgender teen, that's infuriating to me. It's infuriating and it's, it's frustrating, but go ahead, Katie. I was going to say to your point, Kathleen, about uh, that, you know, there's always some kind of fear monger section but what I find different about this is that there's social media involved you know there wasn't social media with satanic panic and yeah it doesn't seem like people are as punchy and edgy as the you know like they they are now and maybe a little bit less in the 80s but I feel like social media like specifically Facebook you know you get little three second bites of whatever or TikTok even and you know people are, are basing their entire opinion on this issue off of like three second sound bites that may or may not be in context, may or may not even be true. Like it, it's, I just find like, it's not even that we're fear mongering anymore. It's like this taking on a whole different. Yeah. Like but misinformation area with, travels. Yes. It oh, just, and, I, and, yeah. and it works people into such a big, huge lather more so than I think has happened in the past. Like it's just, it seems like it's just, yeah, everyone. Everyone used to burn people at the stake. So I mean, fair. That's fair. Fair enough. But okay, it, just, yeah, it yeah. seems really. It seems really like it's getting a little bit more violent, and like for sure for no, the for poor sure. trans kids, you know. And it's far yeah. more widespread. Yeah. Yes. It's far more widespread, and I think that is because of social media. And I think there is um, there's a large faction of people who aren't afraid, they're not really afraid of transgender persons. They're not really afraid of drag queens, but there's, there's some political collateral here, right? There's some, it's profitable for certain groups and for other people, they're just going to hate it because they see LGBTQ2, that's the left. Here's something else about the left for me to hate on. And the left does it with stuff on the right too. But I think the, the difference with this is there are actual lives at stake here. There are, there are actual violent crimes happening because of this rhetoric. There are deaths happening because of this rhetoric and because of this, this narrative around drag Queens and transgender persons. And I'm, I'm just aghast that that some of the voices who push this and who have large platforms and and powerful voices don't stop themselves long enough to think about that. Like the, the psychology of that both fascinates me and disturbs me because we know with some of them that they don't believe this shit. They know it's not true. They know that... Drag queens aren't grooming kids in elementary schools. They know that. And then if, even if they didn't totally know it, crime data shows that it's not happening. There is actual scientific data that shows this is not happening. So why do they push it? Why keep going with it despite knowing that it's going to cost lives? I think that's, that's what I find so disturbing about all of it is the price we are all going to pay for this is going to leave us bankrupt 
it's going to leave us emotionally and, and morally bankrupt. And people who have the power to change it and won't don't seem to care because it's to their personal advantage. So right. I want to leave you with two with two comments on a comment and a story, actually. Um, I've always struggled with calling it homophobia and transphobia because no one's actually afraid. Like there are like don't worry, there are some people who are legitimately sort of afraid of stuff, which is fine. They don't understand it. It 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 makes them uncomfortable. They legitimately don't know how to how to deal with that. That is a phobia. Okay. Mm. None of this is a phobia. The shit we're talking about is not a phobia. It's hatred. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's no one's afraid. And and we can stop treating it like they're fucking afraid. They're not. They're hateful. They're hateful and they're profiteering and they and, and to, to a large extent i think you're right kathleen i think they do know exactly what they're doing mm-hmm. i think they, i think there is a cognitive dissonance that somehow they're not responsible for the actions of other people and therefore if they're not holding you know the ropes that tie down um uh what's his face shepherd in uh in laramie then it's not their fucking fault yeah um because they Matthew. just said some words. They Matthew, Matthew Shepard. There we go. I was like, I was going to say Mark, and I was like, no, that's wrong. <laughs> um, it's been a while, okay? Um, uh, and so for those of you who don't know who Matthew Shepard is, please, please look him up. Watch the documentary. Um, and so, you know, but long and short of it was he got conned out into the into a, a rural road at night. He was... Uh, beaten to, beaten ha- mostly to death and then tied up and uh, and he died uh, and uh, one of the most re- uh, stark uh, images I've always had is when they found him he was covered in blood except for the tear streaks down his face so I want you to think about that image when you think about these kids and that's but, I think sorry Lindsay but I was going to tell you a story I'm going to tell you a story and you can all hate on me for this later, but I was at the at the founding AGM for the UCP um, back when whatever the year that happened, um, and I but was Lindsay sitting. Convinced me to vote. I did convince you to vote, um, and I was sitting afterwards, and and we had been talking about, um, and, we, and we talked about this a, a few moments ago about parental notification under under GSAs, um, and so. It unfortunately passed by only a few votes. Um, I, of course, was livid. A number of people were livid. Um, after the fact, I was sitting in a, I was sitting in a Boston pizza. Don't ask questions. Um, with a number of human beings, including but not limited to Drew Barnes and Rick Strankman, who were both MLAs at the time. Mm-hmm. You can Google them. They're pretty fucking conservative. Um, <laughs> just a little bit. Just, just yeah. a little bit. <laughs> Um, and a couple of constituents uh, of Rick's had come over and we're talking to him. We were all sort of chatting about, so we were, we were sitting sort of like the three of us at the end of a table, uh, two of Rick's, uh, constituents had come over to, to talk and we were chatting about the outcome of the vote and how everyone thought the, the founding AGM went, uh, and things like that. And I expressed my concern about, about parental consent, um, having passed and that how I was disappointed and the couple who, you know, they're in their, I'd say mid-60s, very lovely, super nice. They asked me why. They were like, why? Like, you know, we know kids who, they're like, we live in rural, wherever. Um, We know kids. We we would always be supportive of those kids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, that's fine. This isn't for those kids. This is for the kids who don't have that support who are going to go home and get beat if they say anything. Um, and, and, you know, did you know that like two thirds of youth who are homeless without their families are homeless because of, of their gender identity or, or some, or, or, or their, or, or uh, gender dysphoria or things like that. And they looked at me and went, really? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, and, and, and so this is like the single leading, you know, leading contributor to youth homelessness um their inability to have these conversations with their parents or they get kicked out or they get beat or they feel like they can't have these conversations or they commit suicide etc etc and they both looked at me these two older people from middle of nowhere alberta and they go 
we voted the wrong way, didn't we? And I went, yep. And they went, fuck. And then they kind of like left. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. We can have these one-on-one conversations. And I think the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway I always give people on topics like uh, trans rights and, and, and stuff like this, anytime we see these, don't yell at each other. Try to understand. Try to have the conversation. Try to come at it from a human perspective. Because that's how you win allies and we're not going to win if only some of us are fighting right yeah and so um the interesting thing i just i did want to go back and highlight about the whole thing in new brunswick which is not a conversation we're having here yet is there is an option or they tried to give an option that did not include notifying parents and it was putting it in the place of of having psychologists in schools who the psychologist the school psychologist would be responsible for the task for the task Uh, um, they didn't even have enough they didn't even have enough psychologists (laughs) except that uh the higgs government has not followed through in any particular way on that campaign promise and so they have what was it? One eighty-four percent unemployment rate for school psychologists. Yeah, yeah the they don't have in Anglo. Yeah. yeah, in yeah. So for the ones, oh that my lord! Have, so the ones that they do have are overworked, and the ones that they and the, and so in Anglo in in the Anglo schools they have it's an eighty-four percent vacancy rate, and in 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 general it's fifty-six percent or something like that. So more than half overall and in the anglo schools it's almost complete um vacant and so all well and good except that although i actually don't hate the idea of putting a psychologist in that role no i I mean it almost looks like uh an attempt to you know the 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 student can talk to the school psychologist explain things you know, that may be going on. There may be a reason why they don't want their parents notified. And then a qualified professional can say, all right, is this something well, that I try and mm, bridge the gap? Or no, no, no this see, is a, but this is a qualified no, professional, but there, not a teacher. No, there's another <laughs> legal complication that you are entirely ignoring. And that's that if this kid says to that psychologist, I need to, I want to change my pronouns. I don't want you notifying my parents because my home isn't un- is unsafe. The psychologist now has a legal responsibility to report that to the authorities that this child feels unsafe in their home. So as soon as you give that power to a psychologist to decide whether or not the parents need to be notified, now you're involving another level of government because the psychologist is especially required to say this child has reported to me that they don't feel safe in their home i don't hate that it, yeah <laughs> except like, that then okay. it could be even yeah. worse for the kid yeah then it like um, but if we're focusing on the child that could create an even worse situation for the child you the, know like the, okay like to be clear i'm gonna tell you it depends i used to be a family court counselor and so i've had a lot of uh uh interaction with with child and family services i will deliver more pie she can't leave ever (laughs) and (laughs) um so yeah i i I used to be a family court counselor um and in in the alberta court system and so at a particular age that interaction actually happens at school and it doesn't necessarily escalate to including the parents it really depends on the situation. And to be totally frank, I would rather CFS get involved. Okay. I mean, I'm, uh, I I agree with that. I think that's fair. No, but I think like legitimately, and, and, and they're going to play it out depending on how, on how old the kid is, how close they are to graduation, um, what that what that reasonably looks like. You know, do they have a safety plan? Do they have somewhere that's safe that they can go? Especially when you're over the age of, I'd say about 12 um there's a lot more uh agency provided to children right um Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, in the system and at the end of the day um i don't hate that someone's fucking checking on them that's great i thought like like yes no that's good i'm okay with that you want to you want to remove cfs 
I actually don't hate that as an option. Um, as I am. I want to throw that. I want to throw that to Katie. Well, I was going to say. I was going to say. Um, just that, like, I think also considering the culture of the East Coast, which I, I get as a blanket term, I shouldn't blanket term everybody, but being, um, like, you know, there's a comedian that says that the East Coast is, there are all members of the right to know society. So like, basically, everybody knows your <laughs> business, right? So like, yeah, I feel like there's mm-hmm. all the, also that extra piece of like involving CFS, but, you know, then all your neighbors know why you don't live at home or you know, oh, so-and-so was accused of this and that. And like, it's, yeah. it, you know. And they also are very, very rural feel to, the, to all this. Yeah. 100%. So like, yeah. I feel, and pe- because they're so socially conservative, I feel like, I feel like it's creating a bigger problem. I agree that I think CFS needs to be involved. If there's something unsafe, like absolutely for the, for the well-being what, of the child. But what I'm saying is the likelihood that anyone's even ever going to know is low. Right. Because it can like, be dealt with CFS, on one-on-one. It can be dealt with uh, on a on a more discreet basis. It's not like CFS shows up in a giant truck that says CFS. We're here to take your kids. I grew up in a small farming town where you can scratch your ass without everyone in the town knowing about it. And now there's we have no Facebook. way, and and there's 100%. no way it stays hidden. There's no way yeah. it stays quiet in those small areas, that and that, that makes me major- concerned. That's not the majority of of CFS cases, and is very rarely done that way. Okay, so one thing that I will also say, and, you know, I do get accused of being uh, too charitable to rural, but this is a conversation that kind of happens on a fairly regular basis, that that there, there are people who are saying, if you're not wearing the rainbow, you're not supporting the cause, you are part of the problem. And there are a ton of people especially in conservative circles who have no problem with people because of gender identity or sexual identity. Um, They have, they have no issue with this, but they actually don't wear rainbows. And like, I've put this down to there can be no, like we don't get parenting classes. We just don't. Right. We can all have kids. We can all just figure it out as we go. There is a completely new thing going on. And one of them is talking to your kids. (laughs) And some parents are really good at it and really able to, to, to communicate that you can talk to me about anything. And you know what? Some parents aren't fantastic with it. That doesn't mean that those people are not supportive. And it doesn't mean that they will not become your greatest champion. What it does well, mean is that they just don't have those tools of communication. And honestly, you can't talk to your kids about everything because there's just not ample time, right? So I, what are the things I, that you talk about? I think we have to take into account, too, that it's a different culture in rural areas entirely. It is. There are things the, you we, don't we, talk about. Yeah. And I, like, you know, I've, I've lived in small rural areas. I lived in rural Southern Alberta. I lived in rural British Columbia. I've lived in small town, Alberta. I've lived in small town, Manitoba. Rural communities simply have a, a different culture from urban and suburban communities. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's better. I'm it's not saying it's worse. Different. It's just a different kind of culture. And a lot of that is because rural communities have to there's a lot more reliance on your neighbor Mm there is a lot more reliance on the community as a whole than there is in urban areas where we can go anywhere we want for our services we can go anywhere we want for whatever help we need but in in rural communities you're really bound to the community and to your neighbors and i think that also is a factor in what happens with kids who come out because mom and dad may not have a problem with it but they're but, worried that the neighbor will and they're worried yeah. that there's mm-hmm. yeah the guy at june the store and, might, yeah. june and ted next door might yeah. or the guys down at the the legion might or their friends at the lion's hall or the kinsman hall might and, and then we start keeping things quiet right then we're like Okay, mom and dad don't have a problem, but let's 
let's not advertise it. Let's, which again, just we puts don't you want all the neighbors to know. Isolation. And then what happens when that kid goes to school? They're also if they want to use different pronouns, they're going to be told no. So then the school's going to notify the parents, and the parents are going to say again, well, no, even if they're understanding parents, well, no, we. We're not we don't want everyone else it. to know. Yeah, yeah. So but even it's, even it's in healthcare very complex. too. Well, in healthcare too. I mean, it's still like again, we're rural. We don't see a large amount of trans people. There are trans people that live in our area, but even in the healthcare field, you know, their healthcare card is listed as you know their female name, their their birth name. And they go by something different, and it's yeah, and it's yeah. even worse in rural because you have nowhere else to go. And if you're in Edmonton, Calgary, you can choose where you go. You can seek out other clinics that are trans friendly or LGBTQ friendly. But like up here, it's or you know, in any rural site, really, yeah, you're at the it's behest a different of, world of whoever's working. And hopefully, you know, I mean, health providers are bound by professional standards. But even within that, there is obviously discrimination for a whole oh, yeah. bunch of people. Yeah, there's you know? a number so, of people that believe in conscience rights. So, you know, exactly. Exactly. Healthcare. I think that even though we we didn't cover any everything, I think that our last conversation was super important. But I want to say thank you to Katie for joining us because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been a blast yeah. as always. And yes, a reminder, for having women, me. women of AB Poly is on Substack. We, you can also find the podcast, of course, on Apple. And actually, I need to ask, I think I need to ask that people give it a rating because I still don't have access to the old PR and uh, political R&D account. And in order for people to find this, you're going to have to rate women of AB Please Poly. Please rate it. Please rate it. <laughs>